Good evening, church. How's everybody doing tonight? It's great to have you here. And uh, we're going to dive right into our message. And uh, we're in our second week of uh, the series called Becoming Like Jesus. And uh, we are going through the book of 1 John. And when Tarek asked me to preach, he gave me the verse, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. So if you could turn there in your Bible, uh, 1 John chapter 1. We're going to look at five verses there. 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, verses 5 through 10. But before we do that, I'm going to give you a second to to get there in your Bibles. Let me give you some context of um, uh, where this book was written and why it was written. This is written by the Apostle John, um, also known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? The author of the Gospel of John. And he's writing this letter around 85 to 90 A.D., He's an older man at this time, so we're not picturing the young Apostle John, you know, that's, that's running around with Jesus doing ministry. He's an old man now, perhaps the only surviving apostle at the time. And as he's writing this, Christianity has already been around for more than one generation. So it's been around for one generation, but now it's facing severe persecution. And the main problem confronting the church, it's the same problem we've had throughout all generations, declining commitment, and many believers were starting to conform to the world's standards. So John writes this letter to the churches, and he says uh, 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 you know, a myriad of things, but basically he wants to give them some instruction and encouragement and the reminder of the message they heard at first. And, and a lot of what he talks about is he's pleading with them. He's like, look, look, I'm an old man, and I walked with Jesus. I physically was there. I saw things. You have to hear me. I was with him. And I'm telling you, remember the message that you initially heard. Don't conform to the world's standards. Don't live like the world. Don't decline in your commitment. I know you're going to face severe pr- Hey, those ten people that got baptized is an incredible sight. I was there. Free cookies. Come on, somebody. And it uh, doesn't take me a lot to get anywhere, right? Um, I got four kids, you know what I'm saying? So that's like a cheap snack, free. And, uh, and so ten people baptized into the body of Christ. And when I look at them, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of an older man now myself. I'm like 36. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> I still feel like in my mind I'm 21. And my wife will say in my mind I'm 13, but it's okay. Um, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the greatest moment of your life. Like choosing Jesus and then choosing what spouse you marry, right? Like those are two great things. Of course, Jesus is like, of course, by far, that's the greatest commitment, greatest day of your life. But then I think to myself, oh my gosh, it's not going to get any easier. This is like the beginning of the hardship. It was like, it was a lot easier not following Jesus. You know, anyone that says, by the way, Christianity is just a crutch, man. Like that, you're just using Jesus as a, are you kidding me? Christianity's the hardest thing. It's not just hard, it's impossible. I'm sorry, I'm here to encourage you though. We're going to get to that in a second. (laughs) But this is where John's at. He's an old man. It's been one generation of Christianity and he sees the decline of the church. They're conforming to the world standards. And then he's like, dude, you got to get back to the original message. And he's pleading with him. He's like, I was with Jesus. Listen to me. And this is when he starts talking about who Jesus is. And, and Pastor Dave did an incredible job last week. If you didn't hear his sermon, you can look at it online. But he talked about last week that Jesus is the bread of life. 
and, 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 and he encourages, how do we experience the fulfillment and satisfaction that comes from Jesus, who is the bread of life? And, and Dave preached an incredible sermon. Basically, three things. Spiritually, fellowship with God. Practically, fellowship with one another. Mystically, through communion. And he did throw me off by that word, mystically. You know, I was like, what? What kind of church is this? But uh, I'm joking. And today, I want to look at this, and this is kind of the main thought. God is light. And what is our response to that? God is light. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Let's read that together. Not out loud, but together. Uh, and I usually read from the NIV, so sorry um, if you have a different version. But 1 John chapter 1. This is the message we've heard from the beginning. From him. And I declare it to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. John is first saying, look, God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. And then he gives us five human experiences in response to the light of God. And he says, if you claim this, if you claim this, and we'll go through that in a second. But let me just say this. In a natural sense, light produces two completely different responses, right? Look, I got four kids, all right, all under the age of 12 here in San Francisco. It's possible. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, man, this is the summation of life right here. I'm going to give it to you right now. Love God. Find a spouse. Uh, if you can stay single and serve Jesus, do that. It's easier. But if you can't, get married, find a spouse, have children, eat good food. There it is right there. I got four children. In fact, the, they actually came to church. They're sitting right there. There's, uh, you know, like any good Asian dad, I named my three boys good, strong Jewish names. Malachi, Micah, and Levi. And uh, seriously, my grandma was like, what? I don't understand. I was, uh, I was like, it's the Bible. You still have not converted. God is light. Anyways. Speaking of light, two completely different. Oh, people are like, you have four kids. You only mentioned three. Yeah, I have a daughter. And my wife named her Maya. It doesn't have any biblical significance. So, um, Now, in response to light, two completely different responses. There's the light. Look, my three, six, and eight-year-old, they wake up at 5.30 a.m. on the dot every morning. Okay? It is annoying. Okay? I, my wife and I have not slept in, in in roughly over a decade. And I'm not kidding you. And I could assuredly tell you um, that uh, they wake up. This, this is my, uh, especially my three- and six-year-old. They, they, it's like clockwork. I love them because they do have rhythms. I, I hate it because it's so early. 5.30, they go down. Disney Junior refrigerator yogurt, okay, My, I married a Caucasian lady, and, uh, and uh, so it's yogurt, you know, uh, you know, it's just like yogurt, I'm just like, dairy, our last name's Huang, okay, anyways, <laughs> yogurt, Disney Channel, and they wait in expectation for one thing, the sunrise, because when the sun hits, they know they could be loud, they can get dressed, they can go about their day. Their, their reaction to light is like, bring it on, I'm ready to live. <laughs> Me, 
My wife, my 12-year-old, opposite. Like, draw the curtains. Turn everything off. We want it to be dark forever because we want to sleep. Don't answer the doorbell. Throw away the phone. Let's just have a movie night and day. Seriously. And so it is with the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Okay? God is light. Okay? And, and by the way, this is not a metaphor. This is in a literal sense. God is literally light. Okay? You, you go to the beginning. When, when, you know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. I mean, God, God is light. When he spoke, Jesus was Okay. But we won't get into all that. God is light. And for some people, the reaction is to receive the light. They're like, yes, Lord, here I am. Let's do this thing. And, and you know, they, 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 their, their natural soundtrack to life is like, light of the world, you step down. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> that's one reaction to the light of the world. It's like, and for many of us, that's how, I mean, that's who we are. We're saved. We're like, yes, Lord. We've said yes to the Lord. Like, it's this light right here. Yes, we're ready. Take me. And the other response to light is for many in the world, it's a rejection. It's like, no, turn that off. I'm so not ready for what God has for me. Please leave me in the dark just a little bit longer. Because the reality that God is light actually scares people. And it actually scares a lot of Christians, including myself, if we're honest. I don't want God to expose all my stuff. And I'm not comfortable being completely vulnerable and exposed. I need to stay in the dark. In fact, the human inclination is not one that bends towards God. Our human inclination is actually we, we tend to distance away from God. And we li actually like darkness. That's in our body. I mean, look, just look at Halloween. Sidebar. I hate Halloween, okay? Two reasons. Number one, so much candy. And I don't like being tempted beyond what I can bear. Seriously. <laughs> Like, that's when the scriptures get real for me. I'm like, Jesus, you promised you will not tempt me beyond what I can bear, but there's four buckets of candy right there. I'm like, this book better be real because I'm about to thrash through all of the Kit Kats. But secondly, you know what freaks me out about Halloween is this. No, seriously. It allows people the freedom to hide behind masks. I hate that because, you know, on any, give, on any like normal day, if someone's wearing a mask, you know exactly who to run from. Okay, it's not normal. Dude, it's a Tuesday in March. You're not well. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm heading this way. But on Halloween, you have no idea who's good or bad. And then I have four kids, which only perpetuates my anxiety because it's like we have no idea who's a serial killer and who's good, okay? And then on top of that, I just want to go home where it's safe. We can just buy our own candy. Like you can knock on my door and I'll give you candy. We can role play inside the house. But when I have like, when I'm outside with four kids and everyone's wearing masks, everyone is suspect. I just want to go home. I'm telling my wife, let's just go home. But she's like begging me, no, it's the experience. It's a memory. I'm like, but it's not worth our life. And on top of that, she wants to get candy from perfectly good strangers who may or may not have tampered with it. What does that have to do with the sermon? Nothing. It has nothing to do with the sermon. I told you it was a sidebar about Halloween. Now let's get back to the sermon. But we like Halloween as humans. I mean, uh, in, in a metaphoric sense. Why? Because it's dark. We can hide behind our mask. We have the freedom to do as we please, at least for a night. We like to be hidden. We don't want to be exposed. So Halloween affords us that one night it's a hall pass to dress to our heart's desire, to bring out your inner whatever. On Halloween, we don't fear that the light will expose us because it's dark. 
There's no house that's lit up. It's dark. And, and on top of that, we're hiding behind a false reality, which is our costume and a mask. But hiding in darkness isn't a new idea. Halloween's not a new idea. The first response to sin in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid. They went right toward the darkness. That's what happens when sin entered the world. We tend to go away from God and hide in darkness. In fact, John chapter 3 I mean, John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21 is like the summation of the gospel. You guys know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. To God, you know, and then God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But if you actually read verse 19, this is what John says in, in verse 19. This is the verdict, folks. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. And will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into that light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So here's the million dollar predicament right here. Every one of us, every single one of us, I, if I just stared into your soul, like looked into your eyes. and looked, Every one of us has a single desire to be fully known, fully loved, and fully accepted. The problem, though, is, this is the predicament, like, that's our desire. We all want to be fully loved, fully known, fully accepted, but we also have this fear to be fully exposed because of the deeds we've done. And so we constantly live with this tension of masks with either God and one another. I'm here to encourage you. This is why we either cut off or limit our fellowship with God with one, or, or with one another. And this is precisely why John's writing this book and this letter. It's to encourage the believers to remember the message, to remain in fellowship with God and with each other. Because they started to break away from the fellowship because they didn't like what the light was exposing in their life. And so they were, they were like, you know, it's like imagine trying to sleep when the light is on. That restlessness was what was happening in the early church in Christianity as they were getting persecuted. They didn't like what the light was exposing in their life. And so they just figured, you know what, it's better that we just don't fellowship with God or with one another. And they started to be sifted slowly. And then John says, no, remember that God is light. And we have to remain in fellowship with him. We have to remain in communion with the light so that we can live in communion with one another. Have you ever heard, by the way, a non-Christian friend? This is after, you know, like for some of you, 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 weren't, you didn't grow up maybe in a Christian household. You, you had non-Christian friends. And then all of a sudden you got radically saved. Come on, somebody. Anybody radically saved? You can shout amen right there. I know it's not a Pentecostal church, but you can wave a hanky too if you want. You, you came from a non-Christian, you know, you had a bunch of, and, and, and what do they say to you once you've, you've changed and once you've come to know Jesus? They say these things. Hey, you've changed, bro. You're not the same guy. You used to be able to just chill, and, and, they, and they feel like you're always judging them. Why are you always judging me now? Are you holier than me? I know all the dirt you used to do. Who are you? They say those things. Why? Because they're still in the dark, and when you've come to the light, you start to reflect the light of God, and nobody likes to sleep in, nobody can sleep with the light turned on, and so when you're around them, you make them actually feel uncomfortable. That's why they say those things. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Just realize that things have changed. You have changed, although you're not judging them. But the light is now shining around people that are still in darkness. And it makes them restless and uncomfortable. 
And this is the predicament. We want to be fully known. We want to be fully loved and accepted. But we're also deathly afraid of being exposed, especially by God. Oh, tonight some of you guys are going to get free. I'm serious. Because some of you come to church and you've been bearing this weight of unconfessed sin. You're so deathly afraid to tell anybody. You especially don't want to tell God. I'm telling you, tonight you will be free in Jesus' name. You will be free in Jesus' name. Do not leave this church until the, tonight you have laid that and confessed it uh, at the feet of Jesus. And that's where we're going to head in just a moment. But let's take a, a quick look at God's light. What does light mean? It's synonymous with truth, purity, and holiness. God's light is often attributed to expose, heal, and illuminate. But we often, we are spiritually speaking, we are naturally asleep and in the darkness. That's why in Isaiah 59, 9-10 it says this. Justice is far away from us, the human condition. Righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. We look for brightness, but we walk around in deep shadows. Remember when you used to not be saved? This is it, verse 10. Like blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight among the strong. We are like the dead. That was us before we knew Jesus. But what happened? Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness covers over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. The light of God cuts through the darkness of the world. And what does it do? Ephesians chapter 5. It explains what the light of God does when we are in darkness. Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Woo! That is the gospel. We used to grope around the world like, like, like dead among the living, like just hoping to grasp on something that will save us. And then the glory of the Lord rose about, and it cut through the darkness, and then all of a sudden we are now children of this light. And just as you can't sleep with the lights on, so you can't fellowship with God and remain in darkness. You can't be asleep and dead in darkness because when you encounter God, not only is he eternal life, but he is light, pure light. You awaken. God's light awakens us. And that's why Apostle John mentions five human experiences in response to God's light. We're going to blow through them real quick. Three are negative, two are positive. Because I, I'm assuming most of us are Christians here, although I will give an opportunity. If you do not know Jesus, tonight is your night, man. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. For those of you who are not saved, but for the majority, I think we are saved. So we're going to spend the bulk of our time on the two positives one. But, but, but it's important to understand what Apostle John is saying, that in, in, in respect to God's light shining on us, there's five human reactions. Five human experiences. And the first one is hypocrisy. If you actually read 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not live out the truth. Now these are, these are the Christians by word only. 
That's when you receive like a mailer and it says what religion and you check Christianity because that's the box that fits closest to your family of origin or, or almost to like your, your world view. But, but it's, it's just confession of words. But when you look at the lifestyle and the actions, are there, is there any fruit in your life? The reality is there's none. You say you have a walk with God. You say you know God. A, a, good, a good gauge of whether someone really knows God. When they say stuff like, I know the man upstairs. Man, if you knew God, you won't say that. Come on, you don't speak flippantly about God. He is, he's to be revered and respected. But a lot of people, I know that man upstairs. I talk to him all day. What do you talk about? The warriors mostly. <laughs> but you need to talk to him a little bit more. Come on, somebody, one and two. Um, pray for the warriors. Amen. I know God. Like, I know God. Yeah, I know God. He's the man upstairs. I talk to him all the time. But look, look at your actions. For the past 15 years, there's been no sanctification. You're still the same rude, nasty, crude, demented person you were 15 years ago. Where's the action? That actually lines up with those words. Now, now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Uh, let, let me mention this. The connotation of walking in darkness in verse 6 means that it's a way of life with no desire to change. Because the reality is this, okay? Like, as Christians, will we still sin? Absolutely. We all still sin. But can you continue willfully to walk in sin? No, you can't. You can't. You can't fellowship with God, yet continue to walk in darkness. It's an oxymoron. You cannot do it. Can you do it for a season? Can you stumble in darkness? Absolutely. Every Christian does, myself included. Pastor Dave, Pastor Tark, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be the holiest man on the earth. If, he, if he's a human being and he's a Christian, we still stumble in sin. But it's about the disposition of your heart. There's a difference between stumbling in sin every now and then versus a willful, no, God is okay with my lifestyle. I don't need to change. He loves me just the way I am. What's wrong with that disposition? You're basically saying that you have a relationship with God, but you won't allow him to change your lifestyle. So who really is God? He's God, or you dictate who's God. You ended up being God. Christianity is all about surrender. We all have different struggles. We all have different sins that we wrestle with. But at the end of the day, it's a disposition of the heart. Lord, I surrender. You know what's best for me. I really want this lifestyle. I want to do this thing. It's an issue, but I lay it at your feet. Whatever you want, Lord, which means master. It's a disposition. But for those who claim to have a relationship with God, I claim to have a relationship with the light, but you walk in darkness, hypocrisy. And that's the first human condition in response to God's light. You can't be in light and continue to walk in darkness. You can't get away with low living if you have a high calling. Come on, somebody. That was like that was like a TD Jakes quote right there. Except I wrote it myself. Come on, and uh, but you can't, you can't. Did you know that God has a high calling for you? When He saved you, oh my God! I wish I could just hug some of you. I get so passionate. I'm 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 half French because Chinese people don't hug too often, you know. But uh, but like French man, I just want to hug people, you know. Like, anyways. He has a high calling for your life. If you are expected to live a high calling, yet you are still stumbling with low living, God will eventually, what I call a holy interruption, 
he will insert a parenthetical insertion. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> My body's changing. No. I just haven't preached in a while, so my voice, you know. If you have a high calling, which we all do, if you are a Christian in this, if you are God's son and daughter, okay, if you've been brought into the fold, you've been brought into the fold, you have a high calling, but you are still struggling with this low living, expect that parenthetical insertion of a divine, holy interruption where God will get your attention, not because he's a bully, not because he's bored, because he's a good father. You think I would let my kid run around, scrounge for change, and eat out of a, a garbage can? He's my kid. I don't care what you do, bro. You're going to eat good in my family. Kingdom of dumpling, dumpling kitchen, everything. You're going to eat good. I don't care if we get along or not, but you know one thing for sure. We're going to eat good here. It's the same with God, okay? And he's better father than me. You can't get away with low lift. Some of you are still struggling with this and that, and you're trying to get away with the bare minimum. Expect the holy interruption because God has a high calling for you. He doesn't want you stumbling around in the darkness. He wants to bring you fully into the light. The second human condition or a second human experience in, in response to the light of God is self-deception. Now, this is the person in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, Apostle John was refuting the false teachers back then who taught that people, that people had no natural tendency towards sin, that they had no sin, and that they were incapable of sinning. That's just simply a lie. Like, like it's the person that says, sin's not a thing, so how can I sin? Like, it's not even a thing. Like, humans are inherently good. No, we're not. I'm sorry. Like, when people tell my children, like, just look inside of yourself and believe. I'm like, no. <laughs> don't trust your heart. Seriously. Don't look inside. That's even worse, okay? Look to Jesus and the Bible. It's the only solid thing on earth, okay? Because we're not inherently good. We used to be in the original creation, right, and it lasted like half a chapter or something like that. Like, but the moment sin entered the world, we are inherently bad. But the teachers back then were saying, no, no, we're inherently good. Like, there's no such thing as sin. Well, I actually put in my notes, um, I, 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 self-deceived much? <laughs> because I have no idea what to say when someone is self-deceived to that degree. Like, I, I don't even sin. Like, sin's not a thing. The only thing I could do is pray for you. But it's a response. When God's light shines, it's like, sin's not an issue. Like, it's not a thing. The third one, human experience, is willful rebellion. Now, now, these are the ones in verse 10, if we claim that we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. His word's not in us. Now, this is the person who says, I do believe there is sin, but I, I didn't do anything. <laughs> okay. Now, this is the most egregious of all claims because it's almost laughable. It's like my three-year-old boy, right? Okay. He goes inside, like, like the, the, the kitchen counter, steals chocolate, okay, from the drawer. His hands, his mouth, his shirt all show signs that this three-year-old boy has, like, devoured all the chocolate. It's everywhere. Then I come in and I say, hey, who stole my chocolate? And his response always is something like, not me. I didn't do it. Although all the signs point to like, are you sure? It's like, no, I didn't, I didn't do it. It was my brother. It's the most egregious because it's, it's, just, it's just willful rebellion. And it's just innate. It's in us. 
And it's the same person who says, like, in light of God, God's light shines. We know sin is a real thing. But then because, I don't know if it's just shock or what, but we're exposed. And then we're just like, I didn't do it. Willful rebellion. I didn't sin. Are you sure? All the signs point to the fact that you have sinned. We can see the impact of your sin. But the willful rebel holds fast to the claim, I didn't do anything. And these are the human experiences in response to God's light. But there is hope, folks. There is hope. And this is where we end. Another human experience is called confession. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now this is where we, most of us struggle. We want to be known, loved, and accepted. We know God is real, but we're afraid to be fully exposed, so we limit our fellowship with God. It actually reminds me. Uh, just Thursday, I went to lunch with my friend. Now, uh, for some of you who do not know, you know, my wife Corey and I, uh, we used to work at City Impact for, for uh, the last six years. And we actually transitioned out of City Impact to ministry in the Tenderloin, incredible ministry. At the end of July, we moved on. And we're still in a season of transition, praying about, God, what's our next step? But during, these next, uh, during the last couple months, and, and uh, we're just catching up with old friends. And so this was a friend I hadn't seen in a few years. And uh, he had just known me from City Impact when my life was going well, you know, like, you know, I was in the up and up, like, you know, at the height of everything. And so this is where we're catching up, and I hadn't seen him. And so we just had lunch Thursday, right? We're catching up. I'm, I'm figuring out how's marriage. He just had a baby. How's, and I'm giving him advice on, like, parenting, you know, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an expert, but, like, I'm definitely f- further than, along than he is. So I'm giving him advice about this and that. And, man, we, we had an incredible time just having lunch. We pray for each other. We actually go outside on Ocean Avenue. We're laying hands on each other. People are walking by, hustling by. We're praying out loud. And then all of a sudden he says, um, uh, we close the prayer. So where are you parked? Now, sidebar, my transition out of City Impact, you know, uh, to, to kind of just uh, float financially, we kind of downsized everything. And so we became a one-car family. But that didn't last long, right? I was like, oh, my gosh, we're suffering. Like, you know, we have one car, and there's six of us in the family. So long story short, my father-in-law showed up like three weeks ago out of nowhere on a Sunday, and he said, here, use this car. And he just gave me this car. And uh, I'm not proud of it. I hide it from everyone. So when my friend, who I hadn't seen in a few years, was like, where are you parked, it freaked me out. I was like, what do you mean where am I parked? He's like, no, I'm going to walk you to your car. I'm like, no, bro, dude, like, we're good. Like, we just prayed. Let me get another hug. He's like, no, dude, let me just, I'll just walk you to your car, man. I, I just want to walk. I'm like, no. Seriously, no. Like, and he's like, no, dude, I, I was, okay, I'm just like two blocks down. So we're walking. Then I was like, okay. I'm, the whole time he's talking, I have no idea what he's saying because I'm trying to figure out my exit plan. I don't want him to see my car. And uh, so we get to the corner, right, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm here, man. So, you know, going for the last bro hug. And he's like, I don't see your car. And I was like, it's right there. <laughs> this is the car that I drive now. I don't know if you have a picture of it. I sent it to Brad. This is uh... <laughs> I don't understand why you're laughing. I look completely normal. Um, have you ever seen such a white, seriously, chubby Chinese dude driving a convertible black bug in the city? That's me. I just embrace it, you know. I was so ashamed, and I thought to myself, no, I'm going to live in the light, pull the top back, even when it's foggy. Come on, somebody. I'll never forget what he said. He goes, I like this new humble you. (laughs) You know what I said? 
My next car is going to be Mercedes, just to rub it in his face. I'm going to, I didn't say that. I thought that. But anyways. But isn't this how we treat God? Hey, God, we need to catch up. So we pick the time and spot we're comfortable with. We bring up the subject matters that make us most comfortable. We actually even close our conversation with prayer. And we're like, God, that was so real. I needed that. And God says, where are you parked? It's like, oh, no, no, what are we talking about? God's like, no, I'm going to walk with you to where the shame is. God, you don't understand, man. We covered the basics. I went to church. You know what I'm saying? We talked about my relationship. We talked about my finance. But, and God's like, no, 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 I, I understand that. But where are you parked, man? God, I don't want you to see my VW bug. And it's like, God's like, no, I love people that drive VW bugs. I'm like, Lord, I'm ashamed. And God's like, you're, you're ashamed? Why do you keep putting the top down? And, uh, and then I'm like, oh, now I'm confused. Maybe I actually like it. And he's like, that's even worse, but I'm going with you. And, uh, and he just all along is like, you're such a mess. But let me come. And shine my light in your darkness. You see, we want God, but at a limit. For fear of exposure. Because we all got those one or two things. We're like, Lord, just turn a blind eye, please. Not knowing that God loves you so much. He's not asking to embarrass you. God's not asking to publicly shame you. He's asking because he loves you. He's a good father. He wants to bring healing to the thing you're hiding from everyone. It doesn't have to go beyond you and him. But you got to bring it to him at least. I have such a burden tonight because some of you, you're carrying it. And I'm here to tell you, you can go to the best therapist in the world. It will help to a degree. But bring it to God who is light because in him there is no darkness. You see, if I stare at this light and all the lights, have you ever stood in front of a car in the dead of night with the headlights on? All you see is a light. You have no idea who's behind it. You don't know if you're going to get shot or helped. And many of you, you're Christians. You've come to know Jesus. And all you see is a big light with a man behind you. All you see is a shadowy figure and a man with a knife, and he's coming after you. And you think, this guy's going to kill me, not knowing that it's God. He's not out to kill you. He's the great physician, and he's out to heal you. You have a heart condition. You're dying on the table, and you're afraid that this man's going to kill you. No, and God's like, you're already dying. Let me open you up. That's who our God is. You think you're under the spotlight of an interrogator. No, you're in the spotlight of a great physician. God is light. In him there is no darkness. Bring it all out. Bring it all out tonight when we worship. Bring it all out. Let him shine that light so you can get healed. So you can get healed. 
We get embarrassed. What if God gasps? You want to encourage yourself about your sin? Read Genesis. Do you know the amount of filth that happens just in the first book? And yet those are the families God ties his covenant to. Encourage yourself, folks. You're not alone. You're not the only one dealing with that. That's a lie from Satan. And we rebuke that in Jesus' name. You are not alone. We've all gone through it. We've all gone through it. For every marriage that's on the fritz right now, and you don't even know if you're going to last another day, I'm telling you, it can work out. It can work out. I'm telling you, it could work out. Bring it to the light. Bring it to the great physician. God's not out to get you. He doesn't publicly embarrass you. You know the woman caught in adultery? This is what Pharisees do. They like to bring your sin to the light. They caught the woman in the act, which begs the question, which Pharisee was in it? Come on, somebody. They caught her in the act. Her in the eye and brought the sin to the light for Jesus, thinking, I need to help God out with this sin issue. And God is there, very at peace with himself. And God never once publicly shamed her. He never once embarrassed her. He never once condemned her. In fact, he offered grace first, because grace will empower you to live a life of freedom. He says, has anyone condemned you? Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. It wasn't sin no more, then I won't condemn you. No, it was I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Grace first, then the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live holy. That's the order. Some of you, you think I got to get my stuff together in order to come before Jesus. Then why do you need Jesus? Just get your stuff together and have a great life. God bless you. (laughs) Bye-bye. No, you need Jesus. It's the grace that empowers you. Oh, and when he washes you, and when you confess it, he washes. You don't have to do 17 steps for a healed life. Look, he washes you whiter than snow, period. It's right there in the book. And the last human experience in, in relation to God's light is fellowship with one another. It's the we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Isn't it incredible that Apostle John, he says, immediately, what translates our fellowship with God, what translates our fellowship with God, if we have fellowship with the light, immediately that translates into fellowship with one another. He says it right there. If we claim, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. What does this mean practically? I love what Dave preached. We're actually preaching the exact same sermon. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with one another, but I'm just not going to say mystical communion, okay? But uh, I'm saying, what does it look like practically? Because we, we like to say we need to fellowship with each other. What does it look like practically? I have a news flash for this church. It's more than just a community group get-together, putt-putt golf, you know, mimosas and uh, um, um, a Bible study or a review of the notes from Sunday sermon. No. You want to know what it looks like to have fellowship with one another? It's exactly this. You guys ready for this? What you have received from God, you give to your brother and sister. I'm a firm believer that Jesus' community should be the most desirable community to be a part of. Why aren't we? Because often we reflect the ideals of the world. There's more gossip in the church than in, in like our, our corporate job. 
There's more unforgiveness in the church than in your own family. And yet we realize that if God has given us grace, forgiveness, then our fellowship should look like grace and forgiveness. The measure of grace we've received from him is the measure of grace we need to give to one another. God fully knows you. He fully loves you. He fully accepts you. So guess what our fellowship should be like? We should fully know one another. We should fully love each other. And we should fully accept one another. And when someone drops a hammer on you and says, I'm actually dealing with this, we don't say, oh, I'm out. We say, I see the flaw, my friend, and I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving. That's the greatest thing you can tell your brother and sister in Christ. If your closest relationships as a Christian are those outside of God's church, something is, something's really wrong. Because we as brothers and sisters in Christ through the blood of Jesus should have the ultimate bond. And that, my friends, is the greatest evangelism tool to save non-Christians is our love for one another. When we get each other's back, I, I've had friends that told me things. They said, please do not tell another soul. I said, man, I am a vault, brother. I am a vault. I know things. And you know what? There is freedom when they can confess it and it knows it will not go beyond anyone else. Because when he knows I have his back and he has my back, the love between us thickens. Nothing could break our bond. And guess what? Other people want to be a part of it. Hey, why are you, why are you guys always like, dude, how do I get a friend like that? Like, dude. Come to the light and tell us your deepest, darkest secret. <laughs> my friend was in the AA group in Modesto once. He's my, oh, one of my best friends, dude. Uh, oh, man. And they used to open their AA group, the AA group with this question. So what's the worst thing you did this week? <laughs> and so me and my friend would just do that, and we'd make up silly things. But then uh, was it really made up? I don't know. Love keeps no record of wrong. We choose in our fellowship, don't repeat an offense. We don't pay back evil for evil. You want, you want the church to look attractive? Don't repeat an offense. You get offended, what do you do? You run to the phone, not to the throne. Come on, somebody. You go on faith, you, you've got to tell your dirt to everyone. You know what that person said to me or did to me and did it. Look, who wants to be a part of a church like that? You know what grace is? Covering over the offense. First Peter says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers over. Love doesn't uncover a multitude of sins. It covers over a multitude of sins. That's what our fellowship should look like. As we close, the worship team is going to come forward. I want to say this. God, when he forgives your sins, Hebrews 8.12, this is God's new covenant to us. He says, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Do you know what our fellowship should look like? It's when you bring up an offense to me a week later and I chose not to even remember it. Oh, Christian, you're hiding your emotions under the rug. You need to get, no, 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 no. If God has not even remembered my sin, I choose to not even remember what you said to me last week. It's not even a deal. I'm not going to make a mountain over a molehill. It's nothing. Brother, don't even bring it up anymore. Let it go. Just let it go. That's what fellowship should look like. That's when you know you're living in the light. God's admonishment to us because he is the light of the world. God is the light for the lost. God is hope for humanity. And we are to reflect his light to this dark world. And so he tells us in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. 
a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. God is light. Our response to it is either hypocrisy, self-deception, a willful rebellion, or it could be a confession. You're right, Lord. I confess this to you. Heal me. And it's ultimately fellowship with one another. If we could just close our eyes, and I know Tyler's going to lead us in a time of worship where we can respond to the Lord, but I want to give an opportunity for anyone that does not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. For anyone here who is not a Christian, I want to give you an opportunity. As Tyler will lead us in worship, all you have to say, and I'm just going to tell you kind of, what all, the only thing you need to say is you just come to him with humility and you say, God, you know, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross, and I confess I need you. ABC, admit, believe, confess. There's power in that. It's not elementary. It's not Sunday schooly. It's the reality. And you do it on your own. You don't need no pastor. You don't need no preacher. You don't need anyone to lead you in that. You just bring your real heart into the light and you say whatever's on your heart. You say, I admit it, Lord. You're right. You've been after me a long time. I thought you were going to kill me. But now this preacher says, actually, you're going to heal me. I'm ready. Come to Jesus tonight, folks. And my second call is for those who are Christians already. But you're still struggling with the one or two things that are bogging you down. And you're just like, Lord, my fellowship with you is limited. And God's like, no, 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 take me to your proverbial VW. Take me to the shame. I want access. When we respond in worship, I encourage you, lift your hands, expose your heart, give God access to every part of you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for Reality Church, you will move, Holy Spirit, as Tyler leads us in worship. Holy Spirit will begin to move. The Holy Spirit will begin to lead people to the Father through Jesus. The Holy Spirit will save. The Holy Spirit will deliver us. The Holy Spirit will heal us. And that, Lord, you will strengthen this church body so that we can, Lord, everything that you've given us, we can extend to one another. I pray this, God, in Jesus' name.